a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Next is now. Well, we are watching what is next. We know uh, within the next hour or so, the United States Senate will take a vote on whether or not to proceed to begin debate uh, on a bill around voter rights and voter uh, integrity, voter suppression. Depends on which side of the aisle you fall in terms of how you're going to describe what that bill is and what it means. Uh, but it leads us to a, an interesting thing. Many uh, have charged and used a lot of the political rhetoric uh, to talk about some of the state laws and are they racist in nature? Are they suppressing minority votes? And really pleased to have joining us on the program, uh, Luis Alvarado, who's a longtime political consultant, a CNN contributor, and uh, just great insight as always. Uh, Luis, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for the invitation. It's a great pleasure to be here with you. Wonderful. And so I, I want to talk about, uh, you know, what's happening in Washington. But but really, I think both political parties tend to to get Latino voters wrong on so many levels. Uh, and I'm just very curious as your perspective in all of your work and all of your engagement activities over the years. Uh, what have you seen? What are we getting wrong? What's the media get wrong about Latino voters? Well, I want to say right off the bat that even us Latino political scientists and experts sometimes get it wrong ourselves. So it's, <laughs> that's a good point. I'm glad you. <laughs> there is no magic. If somebody tells you they, they they have the secret formula, the silver bullet, you know they're lying to you. So uh, everybody learn it's a growing demographic that is complex uh, and continues to be complex as election cycles continue to evolve. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a diverse community, you know, use the word Latinos, you know, it's like saying if you lived in Africa and somebody said, Oh, you American, right. right? Being American itself, you can't just put everybody in one bubble and make them believe or understand that everybody thinks, acts or feels the same way. So the same thing goes for Latino communities. Yeah. I think and that, even I, within our communities, there's different levels, different, uh, different ways of understanding how those communities evolve. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's important for all the communities that uh, there there is no monolithic community anywhere. Uh, at least I, I come from a family of 11 kids and we were not a monolithic <laughs> group of voters for sure. Uh as as you look at that, I think it's interesting uh in terms of some of the of the messaging and and some of the things that do matter. You mentioned how diverse the Latino community is. Uh, it seems to me that some of the real driving forces uh, in that community that both parties seem to not understand at all is this focus on family, on entrepreneurship, uh, on education, uh, and yet the conversations seem to be all about all the other things. Yeah, you know, uh, 
Most, you know, especially those that uh, that have uh, grabbed, uh, uh, took a risk and came to this country undocumented. Mm. You know, they're because they're looking for a better job, they're a better life because they care for their family, because they want to succeed. You know, those are that's basically the American spirit. Yeah. But when it comes to our communities, you know, things that distinguish us is language, you know, and the color and pigmentation of our skin. Uh, but most importantly, it's culture. And for Latinos, you know, to to understand uh, best how uh, they vote, uh, speaking uh, on a political perspective, you know, the sensibilities of being accepted or being uh, demonized are very important. Because one of the things that I've been telling my Republican brothers and sisters for years and years and years is, you know, we, we may feel gravitation to all those ideological conservative ideals, but at the end of the day, somebody's at the end of the table saying, but you are still beneath me, yeah. then all those other goodwill uh, tools or mechanisms get thrown out of the window immediately because then it becomes a personal issue. Yeah. And when we have, you know, Ronald Reagan was probably one of the most successful Republicans in understanding uh, and, and bringing together Latinos and making them feel that they were part of the American, you know, the fabric of the American society and that they were contributors and that they were most important. This is the key word, respected. Then you had a, you had a, a bridge for conversation and then inclusion. And then at the end of the day, you had their vote. And that's one of the issues that we found in the last election cycles where Latinos really were disenfranchised with conservative ideals. And even though, you know, those, there are those that argue that, you know, Latinos uh, voted and uh, uh, more for Trump than they did for Bush, uh, I would I would caution uh, very carefully to say we're talking about two or three points who there were other reasons other than the fact that there were Latinos that gravitated to him. They were more in line with authoritarianism and mm-hmm. the protectionism of nationalism that made a Donald Trump uh, presidency or candidacy more attractive to a small group of Latinos. Yeah. Not enough. Not enough that we saw in the last election cycle that Republicans took a tumbling because now more Latinos uh, that are at uh, voting age. You know, Latinos are a very young community. Right. You know, right. you compare the Latino community. You know, most of them, they're very young. It's, it's their 20s, and they're very idealistic. And that's why uh, Bernie Sanders had a grab on many of the Latino communities and utilized that. Uh, they're very progressive or and, and at certain places, very libertarian to the point that mm. they're Republican idealisms that uh, that can be attractive to the young voter. Right. But Republicans haven't found a way to can it or to tap into that. Yeah, I think it's so interesting uh, because it is the uh, the communication strategy has to be as good as the the principle or the policy strategy. Uh, and, and I think that uh, you lead to one thing I just want to hit real quickly in our last minute here. Uh, and that is, you, you mentioned Ronald Reagan, and it was this invitation to become part of something. It's like, you are needed here, you are valued here, you are trusted here, and you are going to make a difference here. Uh, and it's going to bless you and, and, and your life as well. And it, again, it doesn't seem like the Republicans uh, seem to be able to communicate that in a way uh, or extend an invitation in a way uh, to say, hey, come be part of this story and this version of the American dream. And, you know, one of, the, one of the things that I've always, uh, when I speak in other panels, that I point out to, and I like to point out to your listeners, is that there is a difference between those that try to promote conservatism 
as an ideal, as as a community, as a, a, a blueprint for uh, enlarging or strengthening our nation. And then there are those who are just focused on winning elections, winning yes. campaigns. And those folks like me, other consultants, you know, we get paid to win an electoral cycle. We don't get paid to look at what's best for the party. And sometimes those distinctions are, are blurred, and I think that hurts uh, the Republican brand as a whole. Yeah. Uh, when, when we're just focused on winning the next election, or we're focused on taking control of the House, or we're focused on you know keeping control of a House uh, assembly, and those uh, strategies don't 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 give you a, a long term payout. Yeah, that's uh, right. as we're starting to see in the demographic changes. Yeah. Uh. Uh, I'm just going to give a big amen to that, Luis, uh, spot on in terms of uh, how you go beyond just uh, trying to win campaign cycles uh, and you start really winning a movement uh, in terms of changing hearts and minds and helping everyone feel like they are part uh, of something bigger, something better. Uh, Luis Alvarado, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. We'll have you back in real soon. You bet. All right. My pleasure. We will step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, we're going to be joined uh, and talk about good civics education. Christine Cooks Fairbanks from the Sutherland Institute is going to talk about their part two in their series about fixing our broken civics education. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.